0: Welcome. Thank you for listening. We're currently working our way through the book of Joshua, celebrating the God who keeps every promise he has ever made. If you're in the Milwaukee area and you're looking for a church home, we'd love to meet you. You can connect with us more through our website, harvestcommunity.org. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all your people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving to the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river and the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, and I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Harvest. Good morning. We are embarking on quite the adventure through the book of Joshua, and this is day... One. I've wanted to go into an Old Testament book for some time now at Harvest. It's been a while. I've been excited for this moment, for the book of Joshua, because it's not just a collection of stories, but it is. It's, it's not just amazing moments in history, but it is. It is a book packed with Action and vivid displays of courage, but it is first and foremost about God and his presence with his people. The book of Joshua is about God himself. He is the central character, and we will see him on every page. Even this morning, as we dive into Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we will see that the Lord. Yahweh is the central character. Uh, We want you to be able to follow along in the book of Joshua and to be able to even record moments in your own journey. So we, Purchase scripture journals. They're unique. There's a little blue and gold books on the table in the back right by the door. Uh, they're $5. Uh, that's what we're asking that you pay for them. If you didn't bring money, would you take one today and just write a note in there? You can stop at the Connection Center. They have a card you could put in there. Uh, if you can't afford, to buy a journal. We will buy it for you. But again, just write out a note and drop it in there. It's just important to have the word of God with you and to be able to record your interaction uh, with the word of God. So please avail yourself of that in the back. The book of Joshua is a book for today. The book of Joshua is a book for you The book of Joshua, the sixth book of the Old Testament, If Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books, the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, the sixth book in from the left in your Bible is the book of Joshua. And this book is for you. This book is for us. This book, in a way that no other book outside of the Bible can be, is living, alive, active, speaking, and applying to us today. And I call us to give our full attention to it. The book of Joshua is not just a story. It is not a collection of facts. It is a call to assurance to hearts assured of God's good purposes for his people. And it is a call, prepare yourself for this in the sermons that will follow in subsequent weeks. It is a call to action. Let's understand who Joshua is. Joshua, the son of Nun, N-U-N, Joshua, the son of Nun, as he's referred to in verse 1 of this first chapter was the loyal assistant at Moses' side. Joshua was one of the 12 spies who went into the promised land and came back with a bold and courageous report while 10 others gave a very fear-filled, faithless, doubtful report that the giants were too big in the land and that they couldn't go there. Joshua was with Moses. Moses on the mountaintop when he was with God recorded for us in Exodus, notably in Exodus 33, verse 11. Joshua's original name was Hosea, son of Nun, N-U-N. Hosea meant salvation and is a beautiful name, but Moses changed his name to Joshua, which meant specifically Jehovah is salvation or God provides salvation. And I think we will see that this bears out in the book. Joshua isn't a hero for us this morning. In Joshua is not salvation. God himself provides salvation. The setting for the book of Joshua is massively important. And so bear with me this morning on this front matter so that we can appropriately appreciate what we're about to dive into. Let's rewind into the second book of the Bible, Exodus. God's people existed in cruel slavery in the land of Egypt. There, God called Moses outside of Egypt, hiding out as a fugitive, wanted for murder. God calls Moses, promises to be with him, sends him to his people, and then sends him ultimately to Pharaoh, where Moses will famously and effectively say, let my people go. Moses, along with God's people, flee Egypt. God parts the Red Sea for them en route to the promised land. However, when they send the aforementioned 12 spies into the land and only two came back, Joshua and Caleb with a good report and 10 were doubtful and faithless, they were told by God that they'd be wandering in the wilderness for another 40 years till that generation would die off. They would try to enter the land, the promised land by another way, but were defeated by the Canaanites in Numbers chapter 14. Moses in an act of faithlessness disobeys God. And the consequence for Moses' sin is that he can see the promised land, but Moses will not be able to enter into The promised land. It is at the death of Moses that Joshua steps onto the scene for our purposes in chapter 1, verse 1 of Joshua. But before you think that we're done with the introduction, we have to. We have to talk about Deuteronomy chapter 34 for just one minute. If you you have a Bible and you turn one page back or you swipe to the right on your tablet going back one page, you'll be in Deuteronomy 34. In Deuteronomy 34, we find Moses 120 years old on top of Mount Nebo. Moses is on Mount Nebo. His strength never abated. His eye, as it says, was not even dimmed. But Moses, inheriting the consequence God gave to him, is allowed to, from Mount Nebo, see into the promised land, but not enter into it. And there on Mount Nebo, God would take Moses' life. And Moses, at 120 years old, is buried But verse 9 of Deuteronomy 34 says, Joshua, the son of Nun, N-U-N, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. We see that in verse 10 and 11, no prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom God knew face to face. He was unparalleled. Verse 11 of Deuteronomy 34, Moses was unparalleled. It is in the shadow of the greatness of Moses. It is faced with the Jordan River to their west, the promised land further across it between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea that Moses finds himself left with the people of God. In Joshua 1, verse 1, let's begin. Let's pray. God, meet us in your word. I pray not only for this sermon, but for those that come after it. Not just taught by me, but our elders, guests, whoever handles this text. May it do its promised work. And cause change in each of our hearts. May it call us to action and greater loyalty and allegiance to you. May we see you on every page and be different because of it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Joshua 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. Now, as I have sat with this passage for weeks, what amazes me the most are the opening words. The Lord spoke to Joshua. Think of this. The context is the nation of Israel under the leadership of Moses, who is, according to verse 11 of Deuteronomy 34, unparalleled, living in a relationship with God that at this time had a mediator. Moses was not only the leader, he was the mediator because Moses knew God face to face. Moses dies, the Lord takes him, and imagine this moment, and the Lord spoke to Joshua. And this word, Lord, were it to be in the New Testament, and were we to see the word in Greek, the word Lord would mean something like governor. When we think of Lord, we think of authority and control, the Lord God, But we cannot miss that in verse one of Joshua chapter one, the word Lord here is Yahweh. Yahweh is God's personal name. As one scholar says, God's personal name, it is the name whose meaning was revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And it tells us about God's eternal existence and his enduring faithfulness to his people. The name Yahweh is a personal name. The Lord who was faithful to Moses is now speaking directly to Joshua. Moses, this unparalleled, unrivaled prophet, the shadow of his greatness now cast across Joshua. But we see this lesson in verses one and two of Joshua chapter one, before we hardly have our feet wet in the book We hear this. God's will goes on. God is not limited by the lives of his servants. God's purposes are greater. So Joshua enters the key leadership position of God's people at God's call. And we see right away that the first living character in the book of Joshua is not Moses. Moses is dead. And it is not Joshua, but it is the Lord, Yahweh, the eternally existent one, the one who is enduring in his faithfulness to his people, the Lord, Yahweh, God Almighty, is the main character of this book of Joshua. And God is not limited by the lives of his servants for his purposes are greater. In the time I spent studying this text up until a couple days ago, I really understood the main point of the first two verses as this. Don't worry, Joshua. Just like Moses was the guy, because God called him, God's calling you, Joshua, and now you're the guy. And I even understood, like, God's not limited by Moses. Now he's working with Joshua. But it really wasn't until yesterday when I understood that there's a, another layer that is more meaningful and massively applicable to us. It's not about Moses or Joshua at all, it is all about God. God is not just greater than Moses, God is greater than people themselves. This is a story that begins and ends with Almighty God, Yahweh, the personal God, and His purposes go on. And right away, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 begin speaking clearly and applicably into the year 2023, into our time. Why? Harvest, we have as people in 2023 place too high of a confidence in people. And we've allowed ourselves to despair. Here's what I mean. We make too much of the high points of people and we make too much of the low points of people. We live in a a, a juvenile mindset of good guys and bad guys. Like we play cops and robbers. Uh, Yesterday I was called to bring my, cinematography skills to the backyard at my house. My 10-year-olds have been having Nerf wars with the neighbors. And they said, you need to come outside and film this whole battle scene. (laughs) And they meant it because when I went out there, they literally were going to cover the front and backyard and they were about to start the battle and I was supposed to film it. And I'm like, I may have had energy to leave my chair, but I don't have that energy. So I will stand behind this tree in the back of the property and you will have to locate your battle that you want filmed here. And so we had it. And it brought back memories, you know, as, as a kid, whatever you called the game, I don't know, but like cops and robbers, for, for lack of a better label. We, we lived as kids with immature minds in this world where there's like good guys and bad guys. And that's why like the whole Marvel universe or DC, if that's your preference, is geared towards that age. Now we don't grow out of it. We're still Marvel fans in our house. We don't really grow out of it. We're still amused by it, but it is, it's doing a disservice to us as Christians and we need to mature past The simplicity of good guys versus bad guys. Here's what I mean. There is only one true God, pure and holy, and that is the Lord God Almighty. Every person in this room, including myself and Aaron who led worship, Pastor Jeff will be on the platform. I don't think he'll mind me speaking for him. We are equally sinful and broken. And the playing field is, is level. Like this ground that we all stand on here at Harvest, is, it's the same. It's grace. We, we entered the doors, each of us broken. Each of us have sin in our lives. Each of us only made right With God because of the work of Jesus Christ. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Jesus Christ alone. But what we've succumbed to in our world is that there are some pastors that are heroes. And then when they fall, we're so disillusioned almost to the point of losing our faith. We make so much of people that when they disappoint us or hurt us, it throws us off kilter completely. And then our only recourse is to huddle into groups and figure out, do we think the same good people are good people? And do we think the same bad people are bad people? Good. We can play the same immature game together. And we're not just doing it in the church with pastors and parishioners. We're doing it in politics. Some of you are already eyeing up candidates in 2024 where if that person gets, you're laughing. (laughs) Don't do it if you're doing it. If this person gets elected, then we won't have these problems anymore. But if that person gets elected, our problems will multiply tenfold. We're giving people too much credit, and we're not giving God credit enough. And so we brought instability into our lives, and we need to mature past it. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 places Yahweh, the Lord, as central to the story, and he has never left. He is central to the story today. God is not limited by the lives of his servants. His purposes are greater. Writer and pastor Dale Davis wrote this, I thought, quite wonderfully. Yahweh's fidelity does not hinge on the achievement of men, however gifted they may be, nor does does it evaporate in the face of funerals or rivers. Moses is gone. Joshua is next. But Yahweh the Lord remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse two, we see that Joshua was commanded to prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving. This word give is massively important for us because this is God's promise to make. It is God's land to give. The Lord Yahweh is the central character. He is the creator of all things and he is the giver of all good gifts. I've heard it said most of my life that people often change, but God does not. And I'm convinced that while circumstances shift, God's purposes remain steadfast and continue forever. Verses three and four, every promise kept. God through Joshua will fulfill the promises he made to Abraham. Here's a new character for Abraham's not on these pages yet, is he? God through Joshua will fulfill the promises he made to Abraham. So Joshua, as the sixth book of the Old Testament, is actually playing a role in fulfilling the first five books of the Old Testament. You see, back when God called uh, then Abram, who would eventually be Abraham, he said this. Look at Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. In Deuteronomy 34, verse four, the Lord says to Moses, the Lord then said to him, Moses, this is the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. Let's look at this on a map to put it in perspective. This land was promised to Abraham as an inheritance in Genesis chapter 12. Way over here, Moses in the land of Egypt was called to lead God's people out into it. If you see the Dead Sea and you go to about the northeast corner of the Dead Sea, east of the Jordan River, which is running above it, is Mount Nebo. And there at the northeast corner of the Dead Sea on Mount Nebo, Moses was able to look across the Jordan River and see the promised land of God promised to Abraham. The significance of verses three and four is God saying this, I made promises way back to Abraham that I have always had every intention of keeping. I have never dropped one word. I have never failed. Though I called Moses to lead you all out into it, and now he is gone, I am calling you to prepare the people and go across the Jordan River into the promised land. Why is this significant for us today? You're going to see land throughout this book. If you've ever tried to read through the Bible and you've been like discouraged, like there's so many names and places and and land. Land is a big deal and it's not meaningless. The reason it's all listed here for us in, in verses three and four is this. Verse three, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. God is fulfilling his promise. And this speaks immediately to Harvest Community Church in 2023. Because this book of Joshua is not a book that says, look, Joshua, I kept my promises in the past. So just feel good about that. Be inspired by that. Let it stir up uh, affection for me that in the past I kept promises. God is saying to Joshua, I always kept my promise. I am keeping my promises to you, every one of them right now. And I will never be anything different because my name is Yahweh and it's in my nature to keep all of my promises. And so as a believer, when we open up scripture and we read that our God will supply all of our needs and that we don't need to be anxious for anything, But through prayer and thanksgiving, we can let our requests be made known to God. And we have a promise that when we go to God in peace that passes all understanding, we'll guard, keep our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We can can pray to God and say, God of Moses, God of Joshua, the God who has always kept, is keeping, and will keep, his promises, the God who sent Jesus Christ, your son, who is fully God, Emmanuel, God with us, in whom all the promises of God are yes and amen. God, I ask you for this one thing today. Almost like, I'm, God, I'm, I'm actually taking you up on who you say you are today. You said you would provide for all my needs. Provide for me guilt, shame come knocking and you page through and you start in the middle of your Bible. You don't know where else to go. Open up any Bible and you'll end up in the Psalms in the middle, probably. And you see that God does not deal with us according to our sins. As far as the East is from the West, so far does he remove our failures from us. That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That God, unlike people, doesn't bring our sin up and use it against us in the future. That he's good and he's forgiving and you are clean before him because Jesus Christ is at his right hand looking at you saying he or she there with me. So this isn't just land. It's every place your foot goes. God's keeping promises to you. It's not just land. It's every promise kept. So we go to verse five. Always with us. The power to prepare and go and lead the people across the Jordan and inherit the promised land lies in the powerful presence of God Almighty, the power to go is in the presence of God Almighty, but I can't, I can't comment on these verses any better than reading these verses. Listen to this. Joshua 1, 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. This was the word of the Lord to Joshua And you will see in our closing few minutes that this is the word of the Lord for you today. God was calling Joshua to do what humanly seemed like an impossible task with his back up against the Jordan River and the nation of Israel to lead to the promised land in the shadow of the greatness of Moses. God Almighty says, prepare my people to go across the Jordan into the promised land and every place your soul or your foot walks, I will give to you. How does he do this? Does he go to some like leadership conference or leadership summit? Right? What, what does he, how does he lead the people of God into the promised land when even Moses failed? I will be with you just as I was with Moses. What does that mean? Just as I was with Moses. Let's go back to Moses calling Yahweh in Exodus three, when Moses was a fugitive out in the wilderness, hiding, wanted for murder, Moses asks God, Yahweh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Do you remember this whole context? It's actually a pretty entertaining I can't even talk publicly. I don't even feel like I could give the announcements at the end of a church service, let alone go before a whole nation and say, follow me. Yahweh, the personal name for God answered him. I will certainly be with you. The power of Moses was the presence of God. The power of Joshua was, will be the presence of God. This is the power behind the promise. It is the presence of God. It is like purchasing a vehicle and you can't drive it off the lot if you don't have the presence of God. Why? You, you pop the hood and you're like, this thing doesn't include a drivetrain. There's no engine, no transmission in this thing. I bought it for the new body style. This thing won't even take me in off the lot. The power of God's promises to go where he's calling you to go is his presence. It's the engine inside the whole thing. It's the Discovery Channel show how stuff works. How are God's promises inherited? How can I obey God? How can I go where he wants me to go? Because his presence. Because he's with me. The shadow Joshua was in coming after Moses was great, but the presence of God was much greater. And the presence of God is a theme all the way through scripture from the garden with Adam and Eve all the way to our eternal future at the end of Revelation. God will be with his people forever and God is with you now. In Isaiah seven fourteen, about 550 years before Jesus Christ, the Messiah came to this world, Isaiah, the prophet declares this, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You will see the virgin will conceive, have a son and name him Emmanuel. Folks, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy declares this, "'All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.'" teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Now, if you stop here, this is like buying the car at the car lot without the drivetrain in it. You follow me? But this is how a lot of us live our Christian lives. Like you're supposed to go into your workplace and share the gospel. You're supposed to go make disciples. That'll get you as far. It might not even get you all the way to this nondescript room where the Nepal meeting allegedly as next week <laughs> as you go up all the way down the hall. We'll, we'll name these someday. <laughs> you try or you sign up for a Bible study or, or, or you're like, I'm going to read my whole Bible through this year. Jesus. First of all, go back to 18. I just noticed this this week for the first time. Go back to verse 18. Jesus is what? Emmanuel, God with us. What did he first do? Emmanuel came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go back to 20. And remember what? I am with you always. From beginning to end, all 66 books of the Bible, the presence of God is what matters. God is the central character All of God's promises, every place God wants us to go is made possible, empowered by his presence. And it is for the church today, the author of Hebrews, we don't know who that is, writing a church, struggling with many things, maybe not unlike Harvest Community Church, says this in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Hear this church, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Because of this, we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? It is the presence of God. These words are intended for all believers. In Jesus Christ, these words are for you this morning. These words are not left with Moses and Mount Nebo. These words are not only for Joshua as he prepares the people to go across the Jordan River. These words are not just for me as a pastor. They're not only for us corporately as a church. These words are for you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can a mere mortal What can a person do to me? These words cut through of what is being called in our culture today, a pandemic of loneliness by the current administration who published a paper on this. I downloaded it and read it. I agree with it. I've shared it with other people. I believe we are in a pandemic of loneliness in our country. It's why the elders, through prayer and community together, wrote a vision of the church we'd like to become in the next five years. We noted this dilemma in the first paragraph the cities surrounding Milwaukee's South Side are struggling with fear, division, and despair. The global pandemic of 2020 inaugurated an epidemic of loneliness and addiction. The whole thing ends with this loneliness and despair will be replaced by belonging and hope that can only come through Christ. Emmanuel God with us. He is not only our only hope, but I want you to think about this for one minute. While we will go after by God's grace, loneliness in practical ways, the ultimate solution to loneliness is not programs Think of this, the, the ultimate solution to loneliness, the lasting solution to loneliness is not activity programs for seniors. It's not a hotline that you can call. It isn't even the increased availability of mental health support. It isn't even a conversation with your best friend By definition, the polar opposite of loneliness is the presence of God. Before anything existed, God existed. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect communion with himself. We theologians have tried to talk about this and define it forever. And we use words like the Trinity and communion. And when he made you, he made you to have that with him. That is the antidote to loneliness. Finding a cure for our loneliness in any other place other than the Lord will fail you every time. And we are in an epidemic of loneliness. You know, September is suicide awareness month. In my adult life alone, I've known at least four people personally who have taken their own lives. Suicide is a tragic consequence of this epidemic of loneliness and is multifaceted. But please hear this this morning. God is with you every place you go. God is with you. Yahweh is near. The presence of God is the solution to your despair. You may feel you're up against an impossible situation. I would like to invite you to take one even practical step. If we were to start even just untangling the knot that I know I can't understand and I don't have the full solutions for. Only God does try this first. You may find yourself this morning struggling and feeling alone like nobody understands you. Uh, try pulling what you 're struggling with into the light of a trusted relationship, uh, often even in conversation with someone that 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 problem will lose a little bit of traction and begin to shrink. so I would encourage anyone in this room struggling with depression, uh, and despair, uh, you're, you're, you're normal. Many people have it. Lots of people hide it. Uh, try bringing what you're wrestling with into the light of a trusted uh, relationship. There'll be people up here at the end of the service you could meet. But even if you take me up on that and you're like, I got together for coffee with my best friend and they could not connect with what I was feeling. The situation still feels impossible with the authority of Joshua chapter one, verse five, verses one through five. I'm telling you this morning that that situation is still not impossible with God. Any diagnosis you've received isn't final. A broken relationship is not beyond repair. No one will stand against you as long as you live. Yahweh will be with you just as he was with Moses. Yahweh will not leave you or abandon you. The psalmist wrote beautifully on this. Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know, when I sit down and when I stand up, you understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know all about it, Lord. You've encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. So where could I go to escape your spirit? Where could I run to flee from your presence? If I go up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the grave, you're there. If I fly on the wings of dawn and settle, on the wi- uh, settle down on the western horizon, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand Will hold on to me. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, even the light around me will be as night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like day. Darkness and a light are alike to you. Yahweh was not just with Moses and Joshua, the Lord is with you. So, as the worship team comes and helps us respond, we can boldly say this this morning the Lord is my helper, not people. The Lord is my helper. And as a congregation, we can say, we will not fear what people can do to us. Let's pray.